Ashley Brock reading Nora Roberts' book, Finding the Dream, Chapter 2. Twelve years later, when a woman turned 30, Laura supposed, it was time for reflection, for taking stock, for not only shuddering, shuddering because middle age was certainly creeping closer and closer around the blind quarter, but for looking back over her accomplishments. She was trying to, but the fact was, when she woke that morning in January on her 13th birthday to gray skies and unrelenting rain, the weather permanently mirrored her mood. She was 30 years old and divorced. She had lost the lion's share of her personal wealth through her own naivety and was struggling mightily to fulfill her responsibility to her family home. Raised two daughters alone, hold down two part-time jobs, neither of which she had preferred herself for and still be a prepared herself for and still be a templeton. Crowding the minus side was the failure to holding her marriage together, the personal and somewhat embarrassing fact that she had slept with only one man in her life would worry worry that her children were being penalized by her lack and fear that the house of cards she was rebuilding so carefully would tumble at the first brisk wind her life the unrelenting reality of it bore little resemblance to the one she had dreamed of was it any wonder she wanted to huddle in bed and pull the covers over her head so she prepared to do what she always did get up face the date and try somehow get through the complication mess she'd made out of her life there were people depending on her. Before she could toss the corners aside, there was a soft knock at the door, and a softened poked her head in first and said, Happy birthday, Miss Laura! The Templeton's longtime housekeeper stepped inside the room, carrying a full-loaded breakfast tray, accented with a vase of Michael Moe's daisies. Breakfast in bed? Scrambled to recognize her schedule, which had room for a quick cup of coffee at best. Laura said back, I feel like a queen. It isn't every day a woman turns 30. Laura attempted a smile, smile while, tell me about it. Now don't you stop that nonsense. Brisk and affectionate Anna settled the tray over Laura's lap. She'd seen 30 herself and 40, and Lord help her, she'd just run smack into 50, and because she understood just how those decades affected a woman, she brushed Laura's sigh aside. She had been fretting after this girl as well as her own and Miss Kate besides. For more than twenty years, she knew just how to handle them, and went to rekindle the fire in the hearth not only to chase away the January chill, but to add light and cheer. You're beautiful, you're a beautiful young woman with the best of her life ahead of her, and thirty years of it behind her. Anna methodically pushed the red buttons. And nothing to show for but two beautiful children, a thriving business, a lovely home, and family and friends who adore you. Ouch, Laura thought. I'm feeling sorry for myself. She tried to smile again. Pathetic and typical. Thank you, Annie. This is lovely. Drink some coffee. As the fire caught crackling briskly, Annie poured the coffee herself, then patted Laura's hand. You know what you need. A day off. A full day just for yourself. To do exactly as you choose. It was a fine fantasy, and one that not so many years before she would have been able to indulge. But now she had the girls to ready for school, a morning in her office at Templeton Monterey, and an afternoon at Pretenses, the shop she and Margot and Kate had started together. Then it was a quick dash to take the girls to their dance class, time out to go over the bills and pay them. Then there was housework to oversee, as well as dealing with any and all the myriad problems her daughters might have encountered during the day. She needed to carve out time to check on old Joe, the gardener, she was worried about him, but didn't want him to know it. You're not listening, Miss Laura. <laughs> the faintly censored tall Laura pulled herself back. 
I'm sorry. The girls need to get up for school. They're up. As a matter of fact, please with her surprise and walk to the door. The signal, the room filled with people and noises. Mama! The girls came first, rushing in to jump on the bed and rattle plates on the tray. Seven and ten, they weren't babies any longer, but she curled, cuddled them just the same. Kayla, the younger, was always ready for a hug, but Allison had been growing distant. Laura knew the extended embrace from the, her elder daughter was one of the best gifts she would receive that day. Annie said we could all come and start your birthday off right. Kayla bounced her smoky gray eyes bright with seven. And everybody's here. So they are, with an arm around each girl. Laura grinned at the crowd. Margo was already passing her three-month-old son to his grandmother so she could supervise as Josh opened a bottle of champagne. Kate slipped away from her husband to help herself to one of the croissants on Laura's train. So how does it feel, champ? Kate asked with her mouth full. The big three of... <laughs> I was feeling lousy until a minute ago. Mimosa? She raised the row of Margo. You betcha. And no, she said, anticipating Allie. Straight out, Jay, for you and your sister. It's a special occasion, Allie commented. So you're going to drink your OJ in a champagne flute. <laughs> With the floor, she passed juice to the girls. Forward toast, she added, then hooked an arm through her husband. Right, Josh? It's Laura Templeton again, a woman of many talents, which includes looking pretty great for a kid sister on the morning of her 30th birthday. If anyone brought a camera in here, Laura said, pushing back her tumble I'll kill them. I knew I forgot something. Kate shook her head. Well... Let's get to the first gift. Byron? Byron DeWitt, Kate's husband of six weeks and the executive director of Templeton, California, stepped forward. He touched his glass lightly to Laura's and grinned. Mrs. Miss Templeton, if I see you anywhere or hotel property before midnight tonight, I'll be forced to pull rank and fire you. But I have to. Accounts, I have to. Not today, you don't. Consider your office closed. Somehow, conventions and special events will have to limp along without you for 24 hours. I appreciate the thought, Byron, but... All right, he said. If you insist on going over my head, Mr. Templeton, and join himself, Josh, join ranks with Byron. As executive vice president, Templeton, I'm ordering you to take the day off. And if you've got some idea about going over my head, I've already talked to Mom and Dad. They'll be calling you later. Fine. When she discovered she was getting ready to pull up pouch, she shrugged and said, It'll give me a chance to... Nope. Reading Laura's well, Kate shook her head. You're not setting foot in the shop today. Oh, come on. This is just silly. I can't lie in bed. Margaret Tanner walked the cliffs, read a book, get a facial. Over the seat, she grabs Laura's foot, waggled it. Pick up a sailor, and <laughs> remembering the girl, she gave for sale. Mrs. Williamson is planning an elaborate birthday piece for you tonight, to which we have all invited ourselves. At that time, if you've been a good girl, you'll get the rest of your presents. I have something for you, Mama. I had something in, so does Allie. Annie helped us pick them out. You have to be good so you can open them tonight. Outnumbered, Laura took a competitive sip of her mimosa. All right. I'll be lazy. And if I do something foolish, it'll be your fault. All of you. Always willing to take the credit. Marco took JT back as he began to pose. He's wet. She discovered and laughing handed him to fall. And it's your turn, Josh. We'll be back at seven shop. Oh, and if you decide on the sailor, I want to hear every detail. Gotta go. Kate and I'll see you tonight. They went out as quickly as noisily as they had come in, leaving Laura alone with a bottle of champagne and a cooling breakfast. She was so lucky, she thought, as she settled back against the pillows. She had family and friends who loved her. She had two beautiful daughters in a home she had always called her own. 
Then why, she wondered as her eyes swarmed with sudden tears, did she feel so useless? The trouble with having free time, Laura decided, was that it reminded her of the days when most of her free time had been eaten up by community communities. Communities. Some she had joined because she enjoyed them. The people, the projects, the causes. Others she knew she involved herself with because of pressure from Peter. She had for too many years found it easier to bend than stand. And when she had rediscovered her backbone, she had also discovered that the man she had married didn't love her or the children. It had been the Templeton name he had married. He had never wanted the life she dreamed of. Sometime between Allie's birth and Kayla's, he dropped even the pretense of loving her. Still, she stuck with it, maintained the illusion of marriage and family, and the pretense was all hers. Till the day she walked in on the most pathetic of cliches, her husband in bed was another woman. Thinking of it now, Laura crossed the beautiful tended lawn, strolled through the south gardens and into the grove. Beside the old staples, the rain had subsided to a mist that merged with the swirl of fog crawling, crawling along the ground. It was, she thought, like walking through a cool, thin river. She rarely walked here, rarely had time, yet she had always loved the play of sunlight or shadow through the trees, the scent of the forest, the rustling of small animals. There had been times during her youth when she imagined it was a fairy tale woods and she was the enchanted princess, searching for the one true love who would rescue her from the spell cast upon her. Harmless fantasy, she thought now, for a young girl, but perhaps she had wanted that fairy tale ending too badly, believed it too strongly as she had believed in Peter. He had crushed her. Quite literally, he had crushed her heart with simple neglect, with casual disinterest. Then he had scattered the pieces that were left with, with betrayal. At least he had eradicated even the dust when he had taken not only her money but the children's too. For that she would never forgive or forget. And that, Laura thought, as she wandered a path under an arch of lazily dripped branches, made her bitter. She wanted to swallow the taste of the bitterness once and for all, to get beyond it fully and move ahead. Perhaps she decided her 30th birthday was the time to really begin. It made sense, didn't it? Peter had proposed to her on her birthday 12 years ago. On a starry night, she remembered, raising her face to the misty rain. She'd been so sure then, so positive that she knew what she wanted, what she needed. Now was the time to reevaluate. Her marriage was over, but her life wasn't. In the past two years, she'd taken quite a few steps to prove that. Did she mind the work she'd taken on to rebuild her life and her personal finances? Not the work itself, she decided. Stepping over a fallen log and going deeper into the forest, her position with Templeton Hotels was a responsibility, a legacy that she neglected too long. She would damn well earn her keep. In the shop, she smiled herself as her boots squished on the soggy path. She loved pretenses, loved working with Margot and Kate. She enjoyed the customers, the stock, and the sense of accomplishment. Three of them had built something there, for themselves, for each other. How could she resent the hours and the effort that she put into raising her girls, seeing that they had a happy, healthy life? They were her heart. Whatever it took to make up for the loss of the home, she had somehow helped break she would try to do kayla she thought her little kayla so resilient so easily to please a loving happy child was kayla but allison poor allie had needed her father's love so desperately the divorce was hardest on her and nothing lord did seem to help her adjust she was doing better now laura thought better than she had been during those first months even the first year but she had pulled in and back and was only rarely spontaneous with her affections as she had been. And wary of her mother, Laura thought with a sigh, still blaming her mother for her father who had no interest in his daughters. Laura sat on a stump, closed her eyes, looked the faint breeze 
That was the music of the forest around her. She would handle it, she promised herself. She would handle all of it. The work, the rush, the worry, the children. No one was more surprised than she herself that she was handling it well. But how, she wondered, how in God's name would she continue to handle the loneliness? Later, she snipped dead heads out of the garden, did some pruning, hauled away the debris. Old Joe simply couldn't keep up any longer, and Joe, young Joe, his grandson, couldn't afford more than a few hours a week in between his college courses, had his help. Since it would cut too much into her budget and old Joe's pride to hire an assistant, Laura had convinced Joe that she wanted to take on some of the gardening tasks. It was partially true. She'd always loved the gardens of Templeton House, the flowers, the shrubs, the vines. As a child, she had often dogged Joe, nagging him to teach her to show her, and he would pull a pack of cherry lifesavers out of his pocket, thumb one out for her, and demonstrate the proper way to train a creeper, to deal with apidas, to prune a tea rose. She had adored him, his weathered face, old even then, his slow, thoughtful voice, his big, patient hands. He had come to work in the gardens of Templeton House as a boy, and her grandparents' day. After sixty years of service, he had a right to his pension, to spend his day tending his own garden, to a life setting in the sunshine and Laura understood it would break his heart if she offered it. So she picked up the slack under the guise of wanting a hobby. When her schedule allowed and often when it didn't, she would stand with Joe and discuss pernilias and boone mill and mulch. Today, as afternoon faded to dusk, she took stock. The gardens of Templeton House looked as they should in winter, quiet, waiting, the hardest blooms splashing of defiant color. Her parents had given the house to her hands for tending and for cherishing laura did both she stepped out onto the skirt of the pool nodding in approval she ma she maintained the pool herself it was after all her indulgence whatever the weather if she could squeeze in a few laps she did so she taught her children to swim in that pool as her father had taught her the water sparkled a delicate blue thanks to some of her recent dickering with the pump and filter the mermaid the mermaid lived beneath a moazic fantasy, old flowing red hair and glossy green tail. Her girls loved to dive down and touch that smiling, serene face, even as she had. Out of habit, she checked the glass tables for smudges, the cushions of the chairs, and lounges for dampness or dust. And it would have already done so, but Laura didn't turn toward the house until she was certain everything was perfect. Satisfied, she walked down the stone paths and chose the kitchen door. Since assaulted her, made her taste buds yearn, Mrs. Williamson, maple of hip and bosom, stood at the stove as she had done for all of Laura's memory. Like a lamb, Laura said inside. Apple chutney, curd potatoes. Turning, Mrs. Williams smiled smugly. She was well in their seventies. Her hair was the hard, glossy black of bowling ball, in approximately the same shape. But her face was soft, full of folds and wrinkles, and as sweet as her own cream centers. Your nose is as good as ever, Miss Lauren. Or, or, or your memory is. It's what you always want for your birthday. No one roasts a lamb like you, Mrs. Williamson, because she knew the game, Laura wondered. The spacious kitchen maker and her poking about obvious. I don't see a cake. Maybe I forgot to bake one. Laura expressed the expedition to me. Oh, oh, Mrs. Williamson, and maybe I did it. She chuckled, dressing with her wooden spoon. Now off you go. I can't have you around. Pester me while I'm cooking. Get yourself cleaned up. You're carrying garden dirt. Yes, ma'am. The kitchen door lured him back. It wouldn't be a black forest cake, would it? Double chocolate? Just you wait and see. Scat!
Laura waited until she was well down the hallway before she chuckled. It would be a black forest cake. Mrs. Williamson might be a tad forgettable these days, and her hearing wasn't what it had been. But vital ma matters such as Laura's traditional birthday meal would be remembered in every detail. She hummed to herself as she climbed the stairs to bathe and change for dinner. Her mood had lifted, but it plummeted quickly when she heard the sounds of a sibling argument in full swing. Because you're stupid, that's why. Allie's voice was shrill and bitter. Because you don't understand anything, and I hate you. I am not stupid. There were tears trembling on surface scales, and I hate you more. Well, this is pleasant. Determined to lose neither her temper nor her perspective, Lord paused in the doorway of Allie's room. The chubby lude seemed innocent enough, and a girl's petty and white room dolls from around the world wearing their country's traditional dress ringed the shelves that flanked the wide window. Books ranging from Sweet Valley High to Jane Eyre filled a case. A jewelry box with a twirling ballerina stood open on the dresser. Her daughters faced each other from either side of the canopy bed like mortal enemies over embattled soil. I don't want her in my room, her fish glint Sally rolled to face her mother. This is my room, and I don't want her in it. I just came in to show her the picture I drew. With trembling lids, Kayla held it out. It was a clever clown sketch of a fire-breathing dragon and a young silver-clad knight with a raised sword. The natural, youthful talent in, in it reminded Laura that she needed to raise for Kayla to have drawing lessons. It's wonderful, Kayla. She said it was ugly. Never ashamed of tears, Kayla at the ball. She said I was ugly and stupid and that I had to knock before I came in the room. Allie. Dragons aren't real and they're ugly. Allie starts to chant out, challenging. And she can't just come into my room if I don't want her. You're entitled to your privacy, Laura said carefully. But you're not entitled to be mean to your sister. Kayla. Laura crushed down, pressed tears off her daughter's cheeks. It's a wonderful picture. We can frame it if you like. Tears right. We can, absolutely, and we can hang it in your room, unless you let me hang it in mine. The smile bloomed around. You can have it. I like that very much. Why don't you go back to your room and sign it for me, just like a real artist? And Kayla, Laura Rose, kept the handle case on. If Allie wants you to knock on her door, then that's what you'll do. Newton, you flared breath. Then she has to knock on mine, too. That's fair. Go on now. I want to talk to Allie. After sending her sister a smug look, Kayla sailed out. She wouldn't leave me leave when I told her so, Allie began. She's always running in here whenever she wants. And you're older, Laura said quietly, trying to understand. There are privileges that go along with that, Allie, but there are also responsibilities. I don't expect the two of you never to fight. Josh and I fought. Margot and Kate and I fought. But you heard her. I just wanted her to go away. I wanted her to be alone. I don't care about her stupid picture or a stupid dragon. There's more going on here, Laura thought, studying her daughter's miserable face and sibling snipping. Sat on the edge of the bed so that her eyes were level with Allie's. Tell me what's wrong, honey. You always take her aside. Laura bit back. That's not true. Determined she took Allie's hand, and that's not what's bothering you. There's war going on inside this little girl, Laura realized as she watched Allie's eyes swim. With all her heart, Laura wanted to find the right way to make peace. It doesn't matter. It won't make any difference. Tears came close to the surface. You all do anything about it. It hurt, but then this recent distress from Allie always hurt. Why don't you tell me? Then we'll see. I can do anything about it if I... I can't do anything about it if I don't know what it is. They're going to have a father-daughter dinner at school. The words burst out full of anger and pain. They're all going to bring their dads. Oh. No peace here, Laura admitted and touched her daughter's cheek. I'm sorry, Allie. That's hard. Uncle Josh will go with you. It's not the same. No, it's not the same. I want it to be the same. Allison appears. Why can't you make it be the same? 
I can't. There was relief when Allie went on resisting in her arms. And there was grief. Why don't you make him come back? Why don't you do something to make him come back? Now there was guilt to lay on top of grief. There's nothing I can do. You don't want him to come back. With her eyes bright and hot, Allie jerked me. You told him to go away and you don't want him to come back. This was the thin and shaky line of trouble. Your father and I are divorced, Allie. That's not going to change. The fact that we can't and don't want to live together anymore doesn't have anything to do with you and Kayla. Then why doesn't he ever come? Tears poured out again, but they were hot now and angry. Other kids have parents that don't live together, but their dads come and they go places together. Your father's very busy and he's living in Palm Springs now. Lies, Lord thought, pitiful lies. I'm sure once he's more settled, he'll spend more time with you. When did he ever? He doesn't come because he doesn't want to see you. Allie turned away. It's because of you. Laura closed her eyes. What good would it be to deny it? To defend herself and leave her child vulnerable. If it is, I'll do what I can to make it easier for him and for you. On legs that weren't quite steady, Laura's. There are things I can't change, I can't fix, and I can't stop you from blaming me for it. Fighting to curl both grief and temper, Laura took a slow breath. I don't want you to be unhappy, Allie. I love you. I love you and Kayla more than anything in the world. Allie shows Will you ask him if he could come to the dinner it's next month or on a Saturday? Yes, I'll ask. She made make through the anger and misery. She didn't have to look at her mother's face to know she would see her. I'm sorry, Mama. So am I. I'll tell Kayla I'm sorry, too. She draws really good, and, and I can't. You have other talents. Gently, Laura turned Allie around, covering her shoulders. You dance so beautifully, and you play the piano so much better than I did at your age. Better than I do now. You never play anymore. There were a lot of things she didn't do anymore. How about a duet tonight? We'll play. Kayla can sing. She sounds like a bullfrog. I know. And when Allie looked up, they grinned at each other. Another crisis averted, Laura decided as she settled down with her family after dinner. There was a cherry fire blazing in the hearts in rich, creamy cake to be devoured. The curtains in the parlor were open to a starry night, and the lights inside glowed warm. Birthday presents had been unwrapped, open, and admired. The baby was sleeping upstairs. Jocelyn Byron were puffing on cigars, and her daughters, fancy mended for the moment, were at the piano. Kayla's booming frog of a voice complete complimented with Allie's skillful piano. Then she went for the Chanel bag. Marco was saying comfortably, curled on the sofa as she talked to him. It took her more than an hour, and she just kept piling up stock. Three suits, an evening gown, and your white dior, Laura, four pairs of shoes, count them, four, six blouses, three sweaters, two silk slacks, and that was before she started on the jewelry. It was a red letter day. Kate propped her bare feet on Lewis the Force coffee table. I had a, a hunch when a woman pulled up in a white stretch limo, she'd come up from L.A. because a friend of hers had told her about pretenses. Kate sipped herbal tea, hardly missing the punch of coffee. I'm telling you, she went on, this woman was a pro. She said she'd buy in a county home, and she's going to come back and choose some of the furnishings and whatnots from the shop. Turns out she's the wife of some hot shot producer, and she's going to tell all her friends about this clever little second-hand shop in Monterey. That's wonderful. So wonderful, Laura could almost accept not being in on the kill. It's making me wonder if we shouldn't think about expanding sooner, maybe in L.A. rather than Carmel. Hold it, hot shot. It's making me wonder if we shouldn't think about expanding scenery, maybe in L.A. rather than Carmel. Hold it, hot shot, Kate eyed Marguerite. We're not talking seriously about another branch until we've been in business two full years. Then I run some figures, do some projections. 
Oh, it's the Captain Morgan muttered. You bet your ass. So, what did you do with your day off, Laura? Oh, a little gardening. A little bill paint, closet cleaning, mopping. Is that JT with a mother's super hearing? Marco turned and the sounds whispering out of the baby monitor beside I'd better check on him. No, let me, Laura rode with. Please, you get to have him all the time. I want to play. Sure, but if he's... Margo trailed off, glancing toward the two young girls at the piano. I guess you know what to do. I think I have a pretty good idea. Where that Margo might change her mind, Laura hurried out. It was amazing and gratifying to see the way her impulse... Impulsive, glamorous friend had taken to motherhood. Even two short years before, no one would have believed Margot Sullivan, supermodel, the rage of Europe, would be settled down in her hometown, running a second-hand shop and raising a family. Margot certainly wouldn't have believed it herself, Laura mused. But fate had dealt her a tough hand, hand rather than fold and run, she stuck. And with determination and flair had turned fate on its ear. Now she had Josh and John Thomas in a thriving business. She had a home she loved. Laura hoped that someday, some, somehow, someday, she could deal fate the same blow. There he is, Laura cooed as she perched the antique, antique crib that she and Anne had hauled out of storage. There's the darling. Oh, what a handsome boy you are, John Thomas Templeton. Truer words were never spoken. He had a rich gene pool to choose from, and he chose him well. Golden hair grew thick around a glorious little face, round with baby hood it was, with his mother's stunning blue eyes, his father's well-sculptured mouth. His fretful whimpering stopped the moment she lifted him, and the feeling, one that perhaps only a woman understands, soaring through him. Here was a here was baby, beginnings, beauty. There, sweetheart. Were you lonely? She walked him as much to pleasure herself as to soothe. She wanted more children. She knew it was selfish when she had two such beautiful daughters, but oh, she wanted more children. Now she had a nephew to spoil, and she intended to do so lavishly. Kate and Byron were, would have children, Laura mused as she laid JT on the changing table. There would be more babies to cuddle. She changed him, powdered him, tickled him to make him giggle and kick his feet. He grinned at her, wrapped a, first, a fist around a curl and tugged. Laura went with the pool to Nuzzle's neck. Bring back memories, Josh asked as he stepped inside the nursery. Does it ever? When Annie and I were put in this room together for his visits, we wallowed in memories. She lifted JT high over her head where he could gurgle in delight. Both my babies slept in that crib. So did you and I. He ran a hand over the curved rungs for moving to his son. Josh's fingers itched to hold him, but he held back, allowing Laura to cuddle the baby. Everyone who's been there says hot says it, but I can't stop myself. The years go. Everyone who's been there says it, but I can't stop myself. The years go fast, Josh. Treasure every second of it. You did, he touched her. You are and have been the most incredible mother. I've admired you for that. You're going to make me sloppy, she murmured, and buried her face in the sweet curve of JT's neck. I figured you and I had the best possible examples to follow. We've been lucky, Laura, to have people like Mom and Dad for parents. Don't I know it? I know they're in the middle of negotiating the construction of the new hotel and be me, but they called today just to wish me happy birthday. Dad told the story of how he drove Mom through the worst winter storm in the history of Central California when she went into labor with you. Of course, she lifted her head and grinned. He loves telling that story. Rain, floods, mudslides, lightning, all but an appearance of the Angel of Doom in the Seven Plagues of Egypt. <laughs> but I got her there. Josh cut his mother with 45 minutes to spare. He struck the sun's hair. 
Not everybody's as lucky. Do you remember Michael Fury? Images of a dark, dangerous man with hot eyes who couldn't forget Michael Fury. Yes, he used to hang around with him and look for girls in trouble. He went into the Merchant Marines or something. He went into a lot of things. There were some problems at home, an unpleasant divorce. Well, two, actually. His mother got married for the third time when he was about 25. This one seems to have stuck anyway. He came back to the area a few weeks ago. Oh, really? I didn't know. You and Michael never ran in the same circle, Strauss said dryly. The thing is, he took over the old place where he grew up. His mother and stepfather relocated in Boca, and he brought the property from there. He's raising horses now. Horses? Hmm. Not terribly interested. She began to walk the baby again. Josh would get to his point eventually. She knew. Sometimes he was such a lawyer, caging the meaning with words. The storms we had a couple weeks ago. Oh, bad ones, she remembered. Almost as bad as the fateful night of Laura Templeton's birth. <laughs> yeah, more mudslides. One of them destroyed Michael's place. Oh, I'm sorry. She stopped walking into it. I'm really sorry. Was he hurt? No. He managed to get himself in his stock out. But the house is a loss. It's going to take some time to rebuild. And if that's what he wants to do. Meanwhile, he'll need temp. Temporary lodgings for himself and his horses. Something he could rent, you know, for the short term. And I was thinking the stables in the groom's apartment above them aren't being used. Alarm came first. Josh! Just hear me out. I know Mom and Dad were always a little, well, wary of him. To say the least, he's an old friend, Josh returned. And a good one. And a good one. He's also handy. No one's done any maintenance or repairs on that building in years. Not since. He broke up. Clears up. Not since I sold off the horses, Lord finished, because Peter didn't care for them. Through the amount of time I put in with them. The point is, the building should be looked after. Right now, it's just sitting there empty. You could use the rent since you refused to dip into Temple to Capital and run this place. I'm not going over that ground again. Fine. He recognized the scent in her mouth and didn't bother. The rent from a building you're not using would help you out, right? Yes, but yelled a pan. He would cut through the logic and practicalities first. You could use someone around here in the short term to do some heavy work to put the stables back in shape. That's something you simply can't do yourself. That's true, but now Josh thought for the clincher. And I have an old friend whose home has been washed out from under him. I'd consider it a personal favor. Low blow, she muttered. There's always the most they're always the most effective. No need scored. Gave her hair a quick affection tug. Look, it should work out for everyone, but give it a couple of weeks. If it's not working, I'll find an alternative. All right, but if he starts having drunk poker parties or orgies, we'll try to keep them discreet. Just Josh finished and grinned. Thanks. He kissed her and took the baby. He's a good man, Laura. One you can count on in a tight squeeze. Laura wrinkled her nose at his back as she carried JT out of the room. I don't tend to count on Michael Fury, particularly in a tight squeeze. <laughs> End of chapter 2.